Greetings, sports fans, Catholic radio listeners. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host Brad Morgan. We're on Two Guys in a Conversation. Brad, tonight we've got a fun show. We've been talking about having guests and, and some interviews, and uh, we're going to get a chance to talk about Healing Girls Basketball tonight. Uh, our first guest is Bob Geary, former Healing coach uh, with the boys' team and, and helped the boys' team win three state championships at Healing. But perhaps a little-known fact that most people from the, the Sioux City area may not know, that Bob is one of the most successful girls' high school coaches in the history of Nebraska when he was coaching at uh, Cedar Catholic. And so brings a lot of knowledge on both sides of the fence. And, of course, Bob is the, the voice of the Crusaders on Catholic Radio. So tune in this year to listen to him play. Bob, welcome. Glad to have you. Well, it's great to be here, Steve. We've really enjoyed uh, having your show uh, lead off our Friday night football nights. And uh, we're excited to have you guys back for, for the basketball season. Awesome. We didn't know you're, you didn't know you're having a comedy show, did you, on, on Catholic Radio? So. <laughs> Hey, Brad, uh, before we get into girls' hoops, let's talk a little bit about regional volleyball. We're trying to, you know, and, and football as well. Sergeant, what about Sergeant Bluff? They've got the boys' team at the Dome uh, down in the Final Four. Girls' team playing for the state championship uh, uh, this year as well in volleyball. Right. That's a little bit out of Helan's playbook. I talked to uh, one of the mothers from Sergeant Bluff, and they're taking buses back and forth, and kids are staying there for volleyball and busing home and yeah. then going back for football. And we know well that uh, trip. Yeah, we miss those days. Um, anyway, the, the region, Siouxland region, is well represented with Hall Western Christian. Once again, Bob playing uh, uh, Tammy Verbeek, one of the best ever uh, coaches, and, and 2A Kemper, who's really developed a strong program. And we saw that over the years at the uh, uh, at the CYO tournament really coming on. They're playing for the state championship in 3A, and of course, Sergeant Bluff in 4 Well, Kemper might be the best of the three. You know, they've uh, seeing them this year, they were just dominant. They're really strong at the net. They do a lot of good things. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of a struggle that first round with uh, Unity Christian. Unity Christian took a set off them, and I think it kind of woke up the sleeping giant there. Mm -hmm. I, I would expect that there's a very good opportunity that all three of those teams are going to come home with yeah. trophies. We've been talking about how great volleyball is in this region. It has been and continues to be. And and, uh, and some other regional teams we've talked about, Brad, uh, Dakota Valley primarily, we get uh, lots of pressure from the locals out here to discuss Dakota Valley Panthers, and rightfully so. They're having a great year. Yeah, great year. They've got some uh, great players, and I think uh, they're probably on track. I mean, the two favorites to be in the state final have to be Dakota Valley and Sioux Falls Christian. Well, things have worked out very well, and, and it's an interesting uh, way they do things in South Dakota. They seed. Uh, the, think the 32 teams or whatever, and they play these regionals, and you know, you're driving halfway across the state to meet for a regional final. Uh, but they do it to try to get the best teams there. And then there's some upsets. Elk Point Jefferson, who's always got a very competitive athletic program, uh, their girls have uh, stepped up, and they made it to state. Big upset. Uh, so they're going to join Dakota Valley down there, Brad, at the uh, state tournament. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, I mean, that would be their – I mean, did they win state in volleyball – Last year, two years ago? Uh, Elk Point? I'm not sure. No, I mean, I'm was, sorry. I was talking Dakota Valley. Uh, Dakota Valley, I think, last won it possibly when Lindsey Smith was setting out yeah. there a few years ago. Okay, but, well, they're, they're in good tradition. Yes, they've yeah. got a good program. Uh, they're in good position. If you look at, this, at the bracket, Sioux Falls Christian's on the opposite side, and if they take care of business, uh, which are some tough teams down there. They got Madison in the first round. They had a five-set thriller with them up north earlier in the season. Uh, but the, 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 you know, stars have lined up for them to possibly play the uh, Sioux Falls team at, in the finals. And I think they're playing some of their best volleyball right now. 
um, and, and ready to go. Yeah, I think that uh, one of Dakota Valley's first victories was keeping some of the South Dakota kids in South Dakota going yeah. to Dakota Valley. Yeah, kids that historically might migrate into town and go to Elon are, are staying out there. They've got new facilities, uh, great coach there, you know, volleyball coach, and uh, good year. Things are working out for Dakota Valley. They're young and super talented. And I think what's really neat to see is senior Rachel Wente. Uh, is really coming on at the end of the season, along with uh, the Schultz girl, who's only a sophomore. And uh, that's giving them a middle presence to go with their outside Rosenquist on the on the left side. And then Sophie Atchison, the left-hander on the right side. And then they got a very dynamic setter in uh, Ellie Beardsford. So they got five attack uh, people that have over 150 uh, kills. Bob. And so they're very diverse. They're very fun to watch. I got a chance to see them the other night. And It'll be fun to see how they do it on the stage. Yeah, Dr. Uh, TJ and Jody have to be enjoying the year. Yeah, they're having a blast. Bob, let's turn our attention to the Healing Girls. And uh, and, and your perspective, before we get a chance to talk to our second guest, Coach Kolstro, which is coming up on a, on the second half of our show tonight. Uh, Final Four last year. Got everybody back except for one senior, I think, graduated. Two, two seniors. And uh, what do you think, Bob? What are your thoughts as a former girls coach and looking at this team as much as you do? Well, I'm excited, and, and I think for a lot of uh, Coach Kulstra's girls, it's it's a basketball-first mentality, which we haven't always seen around the Healing mm-hmm. factory. We've seen uh, over the years with the huge success the volleyball teams had over the years, a lot of times it was volleyball first, basketball second with with a lot of the athletes, and a credit to their athleticism that they were able to put together the kind of the kind of teams they had and the success they had. But this team is really a basketball-first uh I loved watching them last year. I thought uh, they really came together at the end of the year. The the timing of how the team progressed and, and played together really showed as they went down the stretch and beat some really good teams, you know, on on their march to the semifinals. Uh, the kids are excited, and I'm I'm really excited to call their games this year. I think uh, obviously with with Stanley and Skinner, uh, um, you know, there's so many experienced kids that have been in the heat of the battle. Uh, I think their roles are very clearly defined. Uh, the style of ball they play is very, very energetic. They yeah. get up and down. Fun to uh, watch. And it, it's fun because he's got a really nice stable of young athletes coming in in that freshman class that uh, bring a little dimen- different dimension. There's there's a lot of height there. There's also some skilled players there. So uh, the, the the future looks very bright for Coach Kulstra's team, and I think it, it's going to start this year with a very dynamic team. And a tough schedule. The thing I've always admired about Coach is that he's willing to go out and, and play that really difficult schedule to prepare his girls for yeah. what they're going to see. Yeah, we're going to talk about that with him. I noticed the schedule this year looks very formidable, which is which is a great testament to getting ready. Bob, uh, I was going to maybe ask Coach Cole this too. How do you beat Healing this year? If you're going in, well, how are you going to defend them? You're going to triangle in two. You're going to trap them. You're going to set in a zone. What are you going to do? Well, I think I'm going to I'm going to keep it in tight and, and make them beat us from the outside. Uh, I think you have to pick your poison to a degree. And, and Coach Coolster and I were talking this prior to going on the air tonight. Uh, it, it, they're hard to stop off the dribble. They, they've got three or four girls that really put their head down and, and get to the hole and finish at the hole, uh, including uh, the post player and Skinner. So uh, to me, I would think uh, packing it in and making them take the take the perimeter shot and hope that you can keep them off the boards would probably be the way I would attack them. Brad, you were assistant coach at Healing for a number of years and played different types of defenses. And, and the one thing that you know that that the Healing girls, if you've watched them the last few years, you got to be able to get the ball from backcourt to frontcourt uh, yes. in order to be able to to score to be able to get yourself in that position. And right, right, I, I agree with Bob. I, I would uh, 
pack it in, hope that it's not their night from the outside. And the other thing I would do is I would try and limit their touches. I wouldn't let them get out and run and transition because they've got some players that can get up and down the court and finish at the rim, like Bob said. So I love Coach Cool's style of basketball. I love to watch it. And, and I've had this conversation with uh, Dr. Ferguson in the past is when you play an up-tempo style of basketball, to me, it's like accelerated learning. You know, if you start that from a young age, are your young players going to shoot 500 game time shots before they're in high school or 25? And, and I think that that style of play from a, long, a, a young age gets those girls game ready, gets a lot of shots up in game situations. And, and you know, now you can tell these players have played in a lot of, a lot of games. Well, like you and I have talked about it. It's the Kelly Flynn model. Yeah, fast, fast and fun. Started That's the what same it's all at the very early stages. They played the same all the way through up to high school. And they knew exactly what to expect when they got there. And I think you're seeing that with the Helan program. They know what to expect, how to play, what the expectation level is when they get up there. And uh, it's going to be a, a, an exciting year, no doubt. We're going to have a lot more to talk about with Coach Coolstra coming up here in the uh, the next section of our show, and we'll we'll get in deep and see what uh, thoughts we can pull out of him. Bob, great to have you on with us, and we look forward to some comments in the last section of our show, and and uh, maybe you can get something in on Coach Coolstra in the next section on two guys in a conversation. We'll catch you all back on the break. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. This section of our show is called Steve and Brad's Room of Knowledge. And we're welcoming Dr. Uh, doctor, should be called Doctor of Basketball, Darren Coolsta, coach at Thielen. And uh, really looking forward, uh, Coach, to getting some of your insights on your team coming up this year. And had a great season last year, back to the Final Four at State. And and uh, returning a lot of great players uh, should be an exciting year for you. Yeah, the expectation is going to be high. And we, that's one of the first things we talked about on Monday is, you know, first day of practice was Monday and, and you got to expect it. You know, we're final four and made the semifinals last year in 4A and this year we're going to be in 3A and one of the largest schools in 3A. But, uh, you know, it, the expectations there, the preseason rankings are going to come out and you, you better expect it to be in the top two or three. And if, if you're not, be disappointed. But if you are, you know, embrace that, it. Yeah, embrace yeah. it, and you, that's where you belong. And we gotta, we gotta improve every day and work hard every day. That's great. It's great to hear that again. You know, that's kind of the old healing way. Is like, listen, we're playing for it every year. And if you don't make it, you don't win. Okay, but do you don't ever say you're not trying to win at all, and you work hard for it, and and you've got that program in that position every year, and it's fun to watch. So, so Darren, it looks like you've got uh, six of your top seven returning scores from a year ago. Yeah. So um, you're not replacing a lot, replacing Jacobson, you know, a big post player. What have you got coming in? Well, you know, we, we've we got some juniors that will that'll step up and, and uh, Kyla McAlack and Leah Peterson and Mary-Kate Fitzsimmons is the one that really shined in the first round game down at the state tournament last year and stepped in when Caitlin Stanley was in foul trouble. And we're expecting big things from her. Um, we have a really, really good freshman class coming in. And, you know, you, we've got kids that are practicing against us every day and, and they're getting better. They're going to get better throughout the right. year by practicing against this varsity group. And, and hopefully they can contribute a little bit down the stretch. Three-point shooting, Coach. You know, what, what would you – what percentage do you look at as your critical number that you like? Well, that's a good, que good question because we've talked about it a lot this week because that's one of the things that we didn't do as well last year 
that we wanted to work on. Uh, we, we love layups. We like threes. Um, that's one of the things that coach Donaldson brought over that, you know, the mid range jumper is, you know, if you got, if you can do it, do it, but it's a, it's a low percentage shot. Right. And, you know, so the idea last year, we shot around 27, 28%, I think from the three and, and our goal is to be in the 33 to 35. Um, if you look at the state championship teams, the teams that come, uh, compete for a state championship down at the state tournament, they were all shooting over 33% from the yep. three point yep. line. Makes sense. Okay. Well, you, I'm just looking through all your, your team and you've got girls that are awful close, right? In the upper twenties and, you know, Skinner, who's uh, uh, scored at about 18 points a game last year, I was talking to you earlier uh, this summer or this fall, and you indicated that her uh, game has continued to evolve, and she's shooting the ball even better from the outside. Yeah, she is, and she's got the green light to shoot the three-pointer as well, Which, and she she's very explosive off the dribble, yeah. and she can play with her back to the basket, and, uh, you know, we're going to use it a lot. I mean, get her at the block, and good things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she reminds me a little bit of the skill set of, of a former great Heelan player, Brennan Kugel, who could really do it all. He was explosive. People don't realize how athletic Brennan was, but he could do it all. He could shoot it. He could step out. He could go to the block. And I see her game as similar. She can face up or she can play back to the basket. And that's a unique skill set. Yeah. And, she, you know, she can finish with her left hand, finish with her right hand. She can go both ways. And it's just, it's outstanding. It's fun to watch. And, you know, really in practice, we don't, have a lot of kids that can defend her and sure. make her better. Sure. But um, we've got uh, Lauren LaFleur is a freshman six foot post that has got some size and, and just awesome. walls up. And, and we got her competing against her every day because it's, you know, that's what she's going to see. Brad, I got a question for you. You know, you coached with Carly and we talked a little bit about watching the Stanley girl play. I think Caitlin Stanley has good, the best court presence I've seen in a girl's player since uh, since Carly Tritz. Yeah, and she is athletic, isn't she? I mean, she kind of reminds me of Carly a little bit. You know, she's long, she's athletic, she looks great, graceful. Um, speaking of Carly, coach, I saw she was just inducted into the volleyball in basketball, basketball Hall of yeah, Fame, which first to do that ever, I think. So yeah, I gave her a text. I said, uh, I saw it first because uh, when I was down with my daughter, Rachel, in three-on-three -three soccer, I said, who is that girl? You know, she single-handedly was beating the other team 10, 20 to nothing. So, Yeah, if they had a Hall of Fame for soccer, I think she'd probably join that one too. Yeah, I always yeah. said that if I were a college coach, college lacrosse coach, I would have offered Carly Tritz having never played lacrosse, and she would have been a star. Coach, I, I you know, I know that Caitlin had the knee injury, and it, it, and it probably set her back a little bit on the – the opportunities at the next level. But I tell you what, I've, I've seen her play enough times, the way that she sees the floor and can deliver the ball up the floor. That's a unique skill set. You just don't see that in girls' high school. Yeah, she does. She's got it all. She's our best passer. We put her in positions to to get the ball to the post, to Ella. And, you know, she, she can get the ball up the court in transition. And uh, if you got to be looking for it because she, she'll get it to you. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be really great that, these girls that are coming back have played in the state tournament. You've got Aesop, you've got Pratt, uh, you've got the Mikulak, you've got Fitzsimmons. Uh, you know, uh, those girls are going to get a lot of opportunities. Yeah, good depth there. Yeah, and, the, and, the five seniors are outstanding. I think um, 
Bob talked about it a little bit earlier that, you know, they're basketball first and, and you got Katie Cook there that we didn't talk about, but, you know, yeah, right shooting that North Scott game last year in the semifinal, she had five charges taken. Just one of those yep. pieces of the puzzle that you need is that yeah. toughness. And, and well, that's a Coach Donaldson thing right there. He believes that a, a, a taking a charge is the same as getting a dunk. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But, yeah, we <laughs> boy, that's a person you don't want to overlook is Katie Cook. That's a competitive family right there. And, and uh, she's going to be a big part of your, your season this year. Yeah, yeah, that toughness is very important in girls' basketball and taking charges like that. Very rare in girls' basketball. You know, we play a lot of 1-3-1, one, one, and we've had success with it, and we got better as the season went on. And I, I attribute that to Coach Donaldson with the details that he teaches in practice. And, and you put her on the bottom of the 1-3-1, one, one, mm-hmm. and you would think she'd just get – manhandled down there and she just doesn't she's she like i said she's she's our leader in taking charges and and she she's our leader on defense and does a great job and and you know you got the athleticism of stanley and and skinner and and asop on the wings and in the middle and you get sid pratt is our you know she just goes to whatever position we need her at you know someone's in foul trouble we move her to that position she's kind of a Jack of all trades. Yeah, well, you tell Cook, uh, no taking charges against Skinner in practice. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you open up, gosh, uh, Lewis Central, I think, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Lewis, Sem- Lewis Central, yeah. December 3rd, down at Lewis Central. Uh, we moved that game up, and <clears throat> our conference got realigned with Lamar's joining the conference, and and all the games got restructured on, on when you play them, and and uh, we needed a game before we played the East, opened yep. up of the East. So um, in the city, is it going to be East this year, you think? Oh, boy, they're going to be good. Yeah. They got basically everybody back, and they got their 6-2 uh, post that can step out and make threes and handle the ball, and she's going to Butler. Yeah, just signed I saw that Butler. she signed. Uh, she's just an incredible athlete, block shots, and just a difference maker on both ends of the court. And they're they're going to be the toughest team to beat in the yeah. city. You know, as much as that you worry about that stuff as a coach and all that, you know darn well that's the best thing you can have for your team is to play those inner city games because nothing like it to get you ready to make a run. Yeah. And those will be fun games to, to call Bob and uh, to also be watching. So uh, there'll be a lot of excitement in the gym those nights. Well, I tell you what, uh, this has been a really good uh, start to the season for us, and we appreciate Coach Cool being on, and hopefully uh, this next section will let you guys jump in on our uh, Big Ten talk and uh, maybe a little bit on the preseason uh, or the upcoming uh, Morningside Northwestern football game, which is going to be a big one up at uh, Orange City. And uh, we'll be back uh, after the break here on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. This is our section, College Sports Roundup, and we're joined tonight by our guest tonight, Bob Gary, voice of the Healing Crusaders, and Coach Darren Kustra of the girls' team. And we've been delighted to have you guys uh, with us tonight and sharing your insights as the the girls' basketball season gets ready to heat up. And uh, now Brad and I go through our mental... uh, We have to uh, decompress and, 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 and get ready for the next game here in the Big Ten because uh, I'm an Iowa fan and Brad's a Nebraska fan. And yeah, so it, it was much more exciting in week one we than week, it is now. You guys were. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we uh, like to go through and, and rank our Big Ten teams, one through six, and 
And I guess there's no argument this week. We got Ohio State by itself at the top. They're an elite program. And really the Big Ten and the other 13 teams, it's, it's Ohio State and the other 13. But look who I've got at number two, Brad, and you're agreeing with me. I've got the Minnesota Golden Goofies. Yeah, I know I know that hurts you to say that, but yeah. boy, did they look good against Penn State. They looked good, and I'm pretty worried about them. Uh, that wasn't that surprised me. Their quarterback has been probably the, the biggest surprise to me because they've got receivers, running backs. Uh, but, man, this guy is super efficient and playing at a high level. Yeah, and surprisingly, I think Minnesota has some of the best receivers in the Big Ten. They're impressive. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Penn State have got them at third, and, and you know, they slipped up against uh, Minnesota, but they're still a, a tough team, and I think they'll they'll have something to say uh, in the Big Ten before it's over. You know, you talk about mistakes at the critical times and Penn State driving, what, first and goal on the five and uh, get a penalty. Yeah. You know, and that penalty, it was a, it was a pick. I was kind of half watching it, but the, it was a offensive pass interference. They ran a pick, which yeah. Iowa does 10 times a game and never gets called against Nebraska, right? But uh, just the wrong penalty at the wrong time cost them the game. You know, and the, the throw that got picked off at the end of the game, uh, the receiver was open. You know, he just threw it behind him. And, of course, he got dinged up. Clifford got dinged up. And so it's one of those little parts of the game, you know, that, that wear on you. And, you know, you know, Coach Coolstreet talked about wearing teams down in basketball. You know, wear them down. Wear them down. All of a sudden, they just break down and have five turnovers. That's kind of been your way. And, and it's the same thing, and, and I think this Big Ten football, it's almost like a boxing match every week, and that's one little thing when they break down and get worn out. Michigan, um, they're still gonna, there's still a lot to play for for Michigan this year, Brad. Yeah, so they're uh, coming off a bye week, right? And they've got Michigan State, big rivalry, so that's an important game for them. But, yeah, you know I like Michigan. They're still top 25 team. I don't think Harbaugh has beaten Michigan State at home since he's been there. And uh, so he's going to have that one circled. Yeah, that's you. If you're coaching Michigan, you don't want to continually lose to Michigan State and Ohio State. Yeah, Wisconsin number five, and then of course the Hawkeyes have lost to them, and kind of a tough one. It, man, yeah. it's, it's like uh, what do they call us now? Us Iowa fans are like uh, Groundhog Day fans. Yeah, you know, we keep looking for something that's not there. Yeah, and uh, it's it's been a, it's been frustrating. It'll be very interesting. Though uh, this is classic Ference coming off a heartbreaking loss, lots of deep concern about the program, and they're playing a big time team. Don't be surprised if the Hawkeyes show up Saturday, Brett. Yeah, I would expect them to. So I, I've got to ask, though, I watched that Iowa game, maybe a little too conservative. And I know I've been Ference's, you know, his, his, um, supporter all year. I, l- I love the way he coaches for the team he has, but you know, you've got the top or one of the top passers in the Big Ten, and and I think he just waited a little too long to cut him loose. I think the question is, you know, you had an offensive coordinator, it's his son, who's running the show there? You think Brian is letting it go, or you think dad's got saying, hey, we're going to state play this way? But yeah, we've seen that a couple times now when it's like, geez, the game's about over, and then Iowa comes alive, makes big plays. And they've got some guys on the outside better than they ever have. Yeah, yeah, I just, I think that uh, the way that that game finished, and as hard as it was to move the ball, you know, I, I would have thrown deep. I, w- I would have went deep, and I would have thrown a little bit more a little earlier. You know, one of the things that was been talked about this week on the, on the websites is that maybe Iowa's defensive line is getting worn down. And, the, the Bob, the new thing that, that we're seeing with Iowa is they're trying to play 8 to 10 defensive linemen. And uh, I think there might be something to it. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's a common thread. I, I think, the, the, especially in the Big Ten, the offensive lines are so impressive. Yeah. I mean, you've got to keep fresh bodies or they're just going to keep thumping right on top of you. And 
Um, I would agree their their defense wore down a little bit. I don't think they're quite as strong in the linebacking core as they've been in the past. Correct. And really, I think the the key to, to winning in the Big Ten is a great offensive line and great linebackers. Yeah. If you have those two. I think in in the equation, it's yeah. you're going to be good. I, I totally agree with that. As an Iowa fan watching it, I think they have it goes in phases because it, every couple of years they'll have a they'll have a linebacking crew and then they're working on their defensive line. This yeah. year their defensive line's good and their yeah. secondary or secondary is a little. You know, I think what's really hurt them. We talked a lot of before. They just have they've got two or three linemen that'll end up in the NFL. But as a collective group, you know, it's that team sport thing. It's all about still having the pieces, and they just haven't been able to put a five, an offensive line together. And guess what? The the the, the thing we talk about, Brad, Iowa over 100, 31 and three the last, and then if they are under 100, they're one and 15. Chalk up another loss at 86 yards against them. Oh yeah, that's that's the measuring stick. Got to be able to run the ball in the Big Ten. So here's something interesting to watch in the last few games. So we're within uh, three games, four games to the end of the season, and uh, with the new red shirt rule where you can play in four games, it appears that Nebraska has been holding back a few players. Uh, till till the end of the season, players that could probably help them. So it will be interesting with the injuries and sure. people wearing down sure. in the Big Ten. How many players have been held in reserve to reserve their red shirt season that could actually contribute and make a difference? So it'll be interesting to see that at the end. That's a great topic. I think it's an interesting strategy, uh, too, how teams will do that because you're right on. you got four games they can play without burning a year, and they could be a big factor in those last four games. Yeah, so Nebraska's uh, new defensive lineman, uh, Juco transfer, Green, I think is his name, You know, 330 pounds, uh, has hardly played. Um, and I just wondered if maybe they weren't kind of saving him for the end of the year. He's sure. played in one game, so for he's Iowa. got three. I'm sure, sure they're saving it for Iowa. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, let's just don't make uh, Iowa game Nebraska Super Bowl this year, Brad. We don't need that. It, it will be my Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be uh, Iowa's got. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's always like this with Iowa. It's like okay, we're six and three. We could be six and six. Um, we could be nine and three. I mean, we don't know. You yeah. just have to show up again on Saturday. You know, so I was asked uh, earlier in the year, they said, would you rather go, you know, eight and three or eight and four, uh, make a bowl, lose to Iowa, or would you rather go five and six, five and seven and beat Iowa? And I said, without a doubt, I'd rather beat Iowa. So well, it's not a rivalry. We'll see if it'll happen. Both teams win. So yeah, we'll you're see. right. You're we'll right. see what happens this year. Um, we got a big, big football game in the GPAC coming up, Brad. And, you know, we've been talking college sports uh, roundup with Briarcliff and Morningside. But Morningside Northwestern, uh, number one ranked Northwestern, uh, or Morningside going up to break, uh, play number five Northwestern. Here's some interesting things. Uh, this is the third year in a row that Morningside has to travel up to Orange City. And, uh, you know, there's some there's a little bit of controversy around that, Bob and Coach Goolstrip. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been around the program a little bit uh, this year, and and uh, number one, Morningside's not happy about it. So they're going to go up with an edge. Northwestern's got Morningside circled. Their whole year has been focused on beating Morningside. I think we're in for a game. It should be a great game. I mean, historically, that game has been a little closer than maybe I ever thought it would when Morningside has great teams. But here, here's my call, and I haven't been right all the time this year. I do expect Morningside to take care of business, and I think they're going to win by a couple, two or three touchdowns. They've got a quarterback up there, Tyson Coima, I think. Uh, he can run it and throw it, and I think he brings a big a big level of concern to Morningside. 
Um, listening to some of the players um, after the game, they won 52 to seven uh, this week and 42 to 10. They're not happy with their play, very disappointed in their play. And as Brad has called uh, Morningside recently, the Alabama of the uh, GPAC slash NAIA, mm -hmm. Coach Ryan's got to go, go out over there, Bob. Yes, he does. And and that defense he has this year is, is the real deal. And I think that you're probably going to see a little lower scoring Northwestern Morningside game than you've seen in the past because of that defense. Yeah. But Coyne is a, a great dual threat quarterback. And he does a lot of really good things. But yeah. uh, the key is going to be uh, Morningside's I don't want to call them new, but several of them are in really new roles given what they lost last year to see how they handle that type of competition. And I think for, for Coach Ryan, I think it's great to go on the road. I, I think to, to equalize things and push his teams deeper into the game, because quite honestly, they haven't been challenged much in the second half this year. No. That'll, that'll certainly happen this week. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a terrific point. And uh, they have seven – First team all GPAC guys back on defense, Brad. And that's why we kind of talked about early in the season. Uh, can Morningside win with defense, but yet they're leading the nation in scoring an offense. So they figured out a way over there, I guess. Um, I, one other thing I, I heard a little bit, we talked about the gunslinger from Oklahoma, uh, Roberts, um, the quarterback. And he was apparently right on the radar of Oklahoma State, and it fell through at the end and had a connection to come up here. I watched him play at the end of the game. This kid's got an NFL-type arm. He, and, and they have a quarterback that's leading the country in passing efficiency. They said he's going to challenge next year. How great would that be to have competition coming in next year at Morningside? Yeah. Well, it's going to be a good one. And uh, we want to thank uh, Coach Kulstra, Bob Gary, for joining us again, uh, tonight on Two Guys in the Conversation. And uh, we look forward to uh, catching you next week. Um, good night, everybody.